Welcome to the Brooklyn Lab Podcast. My name is Melanie, and this episode we're going to be experimenting with the question, how to kill democracy. My name is Izzy. My name is Gia. Okay, so to start with, I feel that there are three different aspects of democracy. We have the social aspect and the political and economic. So specifically for socially, I think that a huge thing for democracy is freedom of speech. I feel that without that, it wouldn't really be democracy. Mm-hmm. It's very, how do I say it? It's like a key aspect of it. Yeah. And then, any other Um. So, freedom of speech. So how do we kill freedom of speech? Gia? Well, one way to kill freedom of speech is by censoring media. Like, especially what people know from outer country. For example... If you go back in time, just give me an off-topic example. So, most people were united by the belief that they were the chosen one by the God. Mm-hmm. So, the Pope, which is the closest person to the God, was the leader. Mm-hmm. And everybody believed that they were the chosen ones. And they have this philosophy, which is everything circles around the earth which we consider that as the geocentric theory mm-hmm. developed by autonomy mm-hmm. and then later on we have this heliocentric theory meaning that everything goes around the sun made by copernicus and it was backed up by galileo after he invented the telescope which caused a lot of questioning to the church like are we really the chosen ones is there really god which Martin Luther later came in with like a lot of thesis explaining why the church is kind of bold and it's not really something that we should follow. And it caused a lot of issues like politically, socially. And Gia's example really highlights one aspect of censorship is where is the information coming from? Who is giving us the information? And in, and in democracy, information is pretty much everywhere. So once you take away who is once you take away the multiple aspects of, you know, who is giving out the information and limited to only one person, then it becomes, it, it's pretty much censoring, censoring information in that you're limiting where the information comes from and what is considered fact or fiction. And knowledge really is power. Like, for example, if I were to go back in time with the knowledge I have now, like I have this dope-ass iPhone, no. and I go back in time, everyone else wants that, but if I know how to make it, they're going to want to follow me. Yeah. And then I become the leader. And that's how things work. If you have knowledge, you have power. Yeah, that's true. So the next aspect of social, uh, like a social democracy would be individuality and autonomy. And so Mussolini really attacks... Um, individuality and autonomy and that in the definition or the interpretation of fascism he gives Mussolini states that the fascist organizes the nation but leaves sufficient margin of liberty to the individual the latter deprived is deprived of all useless and possibly harmful freedom he Mussolini really emphasizes like the harmful aspect of individuality and how it makes it actually makes sense because if a person is individual like like a uh, sorry if a person is individual and has autonomy which is like i would say our key components of democracy then they're able to rise up and like you know really question that 
So once you take away autonomy and individuality and just deem it as harmful to the nation, then you are a, you're just killing off one aspect of democracy. And division of people. So in democracy, there is a division of people between parties or how people are in class or race. And it, class and race really don't go with democracy, but you do see like a high level of division of people in a democracy. Like for example, today in America, the Republicans are mostly like whites and Christians and democracy is like mostly minorities mm -hmm. in America though. There's always some sort of correlation. So how do you kill division of people, Melanie? On terms of like, how do you unite people? Well, I think it's important because um, for a person like Mussolini, when you unite a whole group, you make it seem like they're all part of one community. So if everyone's kind of divided already, it's easier. It's kind of like he took away everyone's individuality. I'm pretty sure he implemented uniforms as well. And I feel that when you, someone dresses a certain way, it's an expression of their individuality. So when he did that, it's almost like he took something from them. But then he put them, like, he just, like, unified them all together. It showed them that they're all the same, that it doesn't matter if they're rich or poor, they all wore the same thing. So I feel like that's why it was pretty successful as well. And you wouldn't think, I mean, certainly I wouldn't think clothing is important to individuality or just being autonomous, but <laughs> just the aspect of uniforms and uniting people. It's like these subtle things that don't seem important, but on a larger scale they are and we just talk and it really connects to how you know how people are connected and how people are also divided so it's funny that you're saying that with like a hot pink tracksuit on right now <laughs> talking about uniform but it's important like you know it's like for everyone the way you dress it's like it's kind of a representation of yourself so now we turn to the political aspect of democracy so the first aspect of well, one of the aspects of political democracy we've noticed is checks and balances. So obviously checks and balances, making checks and balances, making sure that, uh, you know, everything is balanced, the powers are balanced, no one, mm -hmm. one branch of government, you, just, you know. Yeah, like one branch is not better than the other. Like, for example, the president must go through Congress in order to pass a law. But like, as of today, most of the Congress are Republicans. So it's easier for Trump to pass laws. But like when Obama was in his term, he wasn't able to do much stuff because like most of the parties in the Congress was um, Republicans. And, and just to add on to that, uh, division, like checks and balances also comes with, with um, I would say a voice. Like each organization or institution has their own specific voice on how things work out. So how do you remove checks and balances? Well, I believe Hitler did this really like eloquently in that the the terrorist attack that occurred in Germany. He Hitler used that as an opportunity to justify why the government should be united or unified, why you know the the parliament or like German parliament, Germany parliament, why should, they should give the power to Hitler and why everything, why, why 
essentially Hitler should have the power. And that uh, the terrorist attack, he used it as a way to justify that, you know, I'm going to do this for the country because everyone else is the threat. And I, he really said, he said that, you know, he spoke for his people and that he was their voice. So when you say that, you know, when you emphasize that the the fascist leader is your voice, there's no need to have different institutions because, you know, someone's already doing the work for you. Yeah. And, and I'm, oh, yeah, to add on to that, um, I'm pretty sure he banned voting as well. So that's also a key aspect of democracy. And when he said that he was speaking for everyone, he basically just took everyone's voice and just did what he wanted to do. And that is part... And he did that because of the Enabling Act, which, if you read... We're not going to go into spe- like, going to detail of what each said, but when you read the Enabling Act, it is scary of how di- discreetly he transfers his... the the Reichstag power to himself and just the language. So now there's another aspect of political democracy is the right of citizens. Now, if people, so let's say for example, in a dictatorship, if if individual people have their own rights, their right to speak, their right to, you know, say whatever they want or do whatever they want the right to protest what does that mean for like a dictatorship why is that dangerous well if i'm ruling and someone's gonna be like because when they have like a sense of self they could start their own stuff like they could start their own party and start coming against me Mm because i'm doing something they don't like and then they could start like slowly raising to power and causing the issue for me because i'm the ruler and they could start a whole entire revolution and I'll be dethroned, they'll be on top again. And then like, and when they realize that they were able to do that, it's because they have a sense of self, they're gonna take away everybody's like individually. They're gonna have like, take it all away. And this goes back to Mussolini, like emphasis on harmful freedom. And who, in just a word, like it's hard, the individual's freedom is harmful because it's a, it endangers the, it would say, the dictator's right to rule or their rule of power. And again, as you said, people can come together and form unions. And speaking of unions, we now shift to the economic aspect of democracy. So I would say two things are important for economic democracy is the right to unionize and economic stability. So let's first start off with right to unionize. Um, why is it important for not even not even just like not even in terms of democracy why is it important for people to unionize or to come together and you know voice their opinions in their work situations so i would give that off to to anyone who so like you like in terms of unionizing why is it important for workers to say they you know they need an increase of pay why is it important why is it important for unions to have a voice i think that's what i'm trying to say so anyone would like <laughs> i mean i'm not phrasing my question like i'm going all over the place but essentially like i'm tr- like i want to like emphasize that 
unions essentially divide people in that like I know it's like a weird concept but unions do divide people in that they unite workers but they divide who is the CEOs and the workers yeah oh okay so like that's what I'm trying to get at and like and how you know unions bring Hitler even said that unions bring conflict and internal struggle that threaten the nation because again we come back to this aspect of the voice who has the voice who has the power to speak up and economically that's like vital like a un- like in in an economic democracy having the right to a voice is so much so much powerful than we think and it's a, almost like a taken for granted aspect so by labeling like the unions as a threat and by labeling them as you know bringers of conflict i think that's how one way you can prevent people from coming together in terms of like economic circumstances and you can also prevent them from voicing out you know, so does that mean to give all the workers equal pay so that they will not complain about their pay? That's a good question. Because that would be communism. No, I think it's just like <laughs> you pay the workers what they earn, you know? I mean, like, communism never worked out because if, if, if you're a doctor, you're getting the same pay as, like, a housewife. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's two different types of works. And also, I thought communism never worked out because you're not supposed to have a government there. It, it never happened. Yeah, it was just it, it just it's never <laughs> happened. I mean, so in general, remove unions, you remove people's voice, and therefore you could pretty much have control of how people work. So remove yeah. the unions and have you and your people as one union. Yeah, so it's like a worker, like we come back to the name Nationalist Socialist Germans Workers Party. Ah. just the name <laughs> just the name of it like German Workers Party like you're uniting people so why is there why do you have to have a union yeah. so the next aspect of economic democracy is economic stability and that's my favorite part yeah so you wouldn't really think of economic stability as part of democracy but mainly but we, it is it yeah. really is because no country that's been economically stable has ever gotten rid of democracy I feel like for democracy, you ha- it's always going to be capitalism that a country has. I don't know why, but it's like it goes hand in hand. When you have democracy, you have capitalism. And I know during World War II, Germany wasn't doing too well financially. And that's why it was so easy for like, someone like Hitler to get nominated. But I don't know how to describe it, basically. It's just, I don't know why, but it correlates with a country that has democracy. It's always going to be capitalism. I mean, and we've seen, like, like, the Great Depression, there was, like, a big economic, there was a big economic turmoil that brought, you know, everyone, every, you know, the entire world, world's economic, world, (laughs) the Great Depression was a big economic turmoil, and that really brought out economic instability, and I think Hitler used that economic instability to, you know, promise who's going to get employment and he promised prosperity and you know good for the nation and by like economic economic stability really you know helped Hitler grow into power even Mussolini into power because you know 
they were able to, because since everyone was like down. They were able to take advantage of the situation. Yeah, so he really took advantage of that situation and he was really careful with how, like, you know, what he said or what he did. And yeah. So now, Melanie, so now we have come to our conclusion. conclusion. So. So basically, to kill democracy, socially teach everyone who is and isn't a threat politically, unite all powers into one person, and remove laws and regulations, basically like the checks and balances, and economically show the threat of communism and unions. And Chris Hedges says how political, economic, and social turmoil can destroy the myth of a functioning democracy. And Chris Hedges, like, like um, quote about... You know, so just the turmoil, just turmoil in, jo- in general can disrupt the democracy, but political, economic, and social turmoil can really mess up how government works, how the people work in that democracy. So, do you guys have any last statements? I don't. I feel like we really like, wrapped it up in the conclusion, All right. honestly. So, thank... Oh. So. Oh, do you have anything else to say about that? Oh, no, nah, oh, I'm good. Okay. All right, thanks, guys, for joining us. This was the Brooklyn Lab podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank See you, you. next Bye-bye. time. Bye-bye.